Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Greg Lloyd episode. Yes, it's episode number 95 of the Still City Insider podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy Ritz, alongside Mr. Jim Wexel. But today we have Matt Cecil with us. And who better to have on the show than Matt, who has written about the offensive coordinator and really kind of saw this coming to fruition. And Matt, I take it that you're positive on the new Steelers OC. Yeah, you know, I've been probably losing my mind this year on getting back to being under center and driving the readers crazy and running play action, running two tight ends and 12 personnel and and opening up the field behind the line of scrimmage and getting the chunk plays and protecting Kenny Pickett. And so it looks like a step toward that direction, and that's definitely a positive. Awesome. Well, we're going to go into detail about the hire of Arthur Smith. And obviously, we're not just going to get Matt's perspective. We have the insider himself, Jim. And how rude of me, Jim. I didn't even say hello. And how's your week going? (laughs) Man, it's up and down, just like everyone else's. You're up, you're down. You know, Uh, I I like the news. At first, I was, uh, you know, what are they hiring a losing head coach for? But, you know... Dick LeBeau went two and 14 as a head coach before the Steelers rehired him as a defensive coordinator. Some guys are just better at coordinating. And also it's not Atlanta wasn't seven and 10, three years in a row because of the play calling. And I didn't study Atlanta, but they just didn't have the talent. I mean, look what they had at quarterback. He's supposed to win with Desmond Ritter. So, uh, um, you know, you know, they got worse with uh, when they drafted B. John Robinson. Last year when they had Tyler Algier, they were in the top five in, in metrics and running the ball, and uh, and then it fell apart, and I don't know why. I mean, a lot of it was they're in pistol formation, and they started doing horizontal stuff, and, you know, you had Pitts, you had London, you had some talent, and it just seemed discombobulated, and so there was issues there, you know, but I, I didn't fine-tune comb, fine-tooth comb every Atlanta Falcons game. So I'm just. (laughs) You think you had lost your mind before (laughs) the Atlanta Falcons games, but uh, you know, uh, uh, Jeremy, I mean, you can ask the questions, Jeremy, but I, I I mean, the big criticism in Pittsburgh is what's this going to do for Kenny? It's not going to help Kenny. Yeah. What about Kenny? Right. Yeah. I mean, Yeah. So, I mean, just looking at some of the, you know, I'm encouraged by the selection, um, but but a few things here that, that jump out to me right away, not to be the contrarian gentleman, but, you know, how exhaustive was this search? You know, we, we had thought that this was going to be an in-depth process where they really scoured who was out there and conducted several interviews. Now, we don't really know for a fact how many people they interviewed, but it looks like there were three candidates that came in for um, an actual discussion. Uh, so it doesn't seem like we turned over every stone to still uh, a saying from our our our, um, our headman there. Uh, okay. You're hearing such terms as that this is an unimaginative hire, um, that he's he's a, a bit uh, bit of a hothead. How is that going to mesh with some of the personalities on this team specifically? George Pickens, who figures to be a very prominent um, player in this offense. So, you know, those are some of the questions I have. How are they going to answer? 
let, let me address the first part of that, uh, which is uh, the exhaustive search. And then, Matt, you can handle the hothead part of it. Um, you know, I asked Art Rooney, I said, could you talk about the difficulty in walking the fine line of watching other teams hire people you've interviewed already and also knowing that you want to interview some of the best coaches on the best teams in the world still? meaning the Super Bowl teams. He couldn't couldn't interview them yet. And he said, uh, he said it, it is a fine line, but we'll figure it out. I mean, he didn't really answer the question. But the point being, if you liked Arthur Smith, were you going to wait another week for your, your guy you want to interview? For one, Clint Kubiak's a passing game coordinator. Does he want to make a lateral move to Pittsburgh? I mean, you could get more money and you get passing game out of your your title, but I don't know. He might be happy there, and my guess is he is. The other thing is they wanted an experienced play caller, and Brian Greasy wasn't that. So if you're not going to interview the Lions or Ravens, which I like Matt's guy, Antoine Randall with the Lions, and Mark Brunel, but I, I can understand their hesitancy to turn over every stone. I mean, guys are that they interviewed that maybe they like uh, are are getting offers from other teams. I'm hearing seven teams wanted Arthur Smith. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I mean, I wonder if Dan Campbell in the debacle that took place of blowing that game cost them the ability to. You're mad about at that. At least, <laughs> I mean, that was brutal. But at least, uh, I or like. For- interview Kubiak or interview somebody from the 49ers. And so um, risk losing your guy, you risk losing your guy. You can't wait two weeks. So it's just, they like the guy that they interviewed and you know, that's, that's just the way it went down. Like you said, I would have liked to see maybe somebody from the Lions get interviewed, but I liked Arthur Smith for the reasons that we talked about and he fits what personnel that they have currently. And so you don't want to lose a guy like you said. If there's seven other teams that are interested, in, and he wants to come to Pittsburgh, well, and they had a great interview together. Hey, you had a list of I, I counted seven guys yeah. that you liked. You yeah. were a little, you didn't know enough about Zach Robinson. He was your seventh guy, right? But of the six six guys you mentioned, Arthur Smith, you you mentioned him second, right? So, I mean, you were I all had, over I, that. I had Kubiak he, one, and I had Arthur Smith two. Now, if you look at the Super Bowl participants right now, and this is pretty consistent, yards after the catch, the teams that lead the league in yards after the catch are going and advancing far into the playoffs. And the Chiefs and the 49ers are one and two, and the 49ers have been number one for six years. And it's just getting those crossing routes and guys going vertical, catching it on the move. And Arthur Smith does that too. You know, you don't get to that point with, Tannehill with a 1.17.5 passer rating one year, 106.5 the next year. A lot of that was A.J. Brown, but I I looked at some of the game highlights last night, and I'm seeing a lot of crossing routes with, you know, Corey Davis. They didn't have a lot of talent around him other than Brown. But what you want for Kenny, and I don't understand why the fan base is is upset. This is what you want. You You can't win with Kenny, they say. But also, you got to fire Tomlin for not winning with Kenny. Oh, absolutely! Well, and Kenny and now you got to now you have to hire somebody to suit Kenny just right. Hey, if Kenny can't cut it, get a new guy. This is what finding a franchise quarterback is all about. 
I mean, well, I guess everybody's forgotten about the 80s. I think he will grow. I think you got to give a guy time. And because there are certain guys that have success early, everyone thinks that everybody should have success early. But that kid works hard. He's going to grind. He's a good athlete. He can throw on the move, going right or left. He protects the football, and he's clutch at the end of games. He doesn't ever fumble. I want to develop him. So, you know, I I I hated the fact that he was standing there in the gun trying to do all these reads in, in the NFL. That's not his game. Get that athlete under center with the big backs, play action, and give him two or three simple reads, and then simplify it where he's got – all right, the spread looks on two-minute drills and, and third downs, and then you mix in and you supplement the shotgun and the shotgun play action. And that's, I think, how you use Kenny, and that's how you allow him to grow. And by year, th- hopefully year three, I wouldn't even necessarily, depending, let's say he gets a 90 passer rating next year. Okay, well, he, he deserves another year. If it's down in the 80s and he hasn't really taken a step, I understand, but allow that kid to grow because – and put the team around them. You know, I'm hoping that they build through the line of scrimmage and, and start getting downhill because I, I tell you what frustrates, frustrates me, Jim and Jeremy, is the over-reliance on a quarterback. And everybody thinks that the quarterback has to somehow be top five, and it's the ultimate team game. Mm-hmm. Aren't yeah. the 49ers uh, uh, favored in the Super Bowl? Yeah. And you know who's managing the game right now? Who's managing the the poisonous (laughs) two words is Patrick Mahomes. He's averaging 236 yards a game in the playoffs. He has no interceptions and he hasn't been sacked once. And Pacheco has run 24 times last week, 24 times in in the first playoff game. He had 15 carries, but that's because Mahomes only threw 23 times against the Bills. Everybody should be managing the game. And the system quarterback is somehow a bad word. No, it's just smart football. I want to get guys open behind the line of scrimmage and get guys wide open. Why wouldn't I make it easy on any quarterback? You know, so I think that's what Arthur Smith does for Kenny. And that will allow him to to maybe take the step. We saw steps last year with Kenny in the last half of the season when they went seven and two and they got under center and all of a sudden 50% on third down. And by that Cleveland game at the end of the year, he's hitting plays on third down, and it looks rhythmic. And then they came in this year, and they got rid of – they got away from all of that, and he looked herky-jerky. And now he's scrambling to his left when he doesn't have to, and he's not stepping up in the pocket, and he he's out of sorts because it just didn't fit him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I think we also, uh, before we anoint Kenny as a, the starter, have to acknowledge that Mason Rudolph's yeah. been part of this conversation too. Yes, and I think that he can absolutely benefit from a coordinator like Arthur Smith. And I talked about some of the negatives there, but you know, he played offensive line in, in college, so he's got that you know uh, mentality. So he, he's in the trenches there. Worked under Mike Munchak, which is yeah. But Jeremy, Jeremy, I mean that mentality is what's driving Steelers. A lot of Steelers fans crazy. They think we're going back to the Stone Ages again. But yeah, and I would push back on that to say that really it fits the 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 character of your Pittsburgh Steelers, which is pound pound the football. That's what and, Pittsburgh Steelers and, football is. And the weather. And the stadium, yes. yes, and the stadium they play in the the surface, yeah, right, is, is better. It's just how it is. It's how yeah. it is. Yeah, they're not going to build a dome here. 
Right. But, but the other part of that is if you, you know, the the best example of uh, what he's able to do with an offense, you look at that Tennessee team and you mentioned Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, you know, not, I don't want to say that Najee Harris is Derrick Henry because he's not, neither is Jalen Warren, but you have two quality running backs in Pittsburgh. I think you have two quarterbacks capable of managing the game, like you alluded to there, Matt. And if you have a rhythmic offense that builds on concepts, and I know he's really, Smith is really big on making the running plays look like passing plays, passing plays look like running plays. Perfect. You know, there's a lot to be optimistic about. Now, I'm I'm the optimist, but, you know, I'm excited. Yeah. What worries me, too, though, is I want him to be able to, what's in phase now, and a lot of times, right, my readers maybe think that because I want to run the ball and stay about 50, 50 balanced that somehow I want to go back to the dark ages. And no, I want a sophisticated, you know, modern day passing game. And what that is, is the crossing routes and the play action and the misdirection. And that's what they got to do pre-snap. A lot of these teams pre-snap are doing motion pre-snap to get teams out of their gaps and create some confusion just before the snap. And I hope that's what we see too with this offense you know, along with what we see before is marrying marrying the run and the pass together. Mm-hmm. You know, if they do that, I think we're home free. I think you're giving Kenny the best shot, but you're right. Mason Rudolph, I want him back. People are saying Ryan Tannehill, and yes, he fits the system. I like Mason. I like his leadership. I like everything that he says. I, I believe in, he believes in what he says. He doesn't just know what to say. He's that type of leader that, and that, that believes in it. And that's why he has progressed. Nothing holds him back from getting better. Mm-hmm. And I was so happy to see him have success. I mean, he deserved it. You know, and I think he he deserves an opportunity to, to compete for this job. You yeah. know, there, there were two things that uh, Art Rooney impressed upon me at the press conference. One is their desire to have Mason back. He he. Mm-hmm. He kept going back to that. That that's a real desire. I don't know that Cam Sutton was a real desire last year. They they would answer the question yes, and they tried a little bit, but didn't try real hard. And frankly, from what I watched of Detroit, they were right. The Steelers were right not to pay that bigger buck. Yeah, he's a two three, and the Lions yeah. are playing him as a one, and he's but, getting killed as a one. And the other thing that uh, Rooney hit home, I thought. And I think that's going to be their first round draft pick is an offensive lineman. Yes. And, and, and they may, may draft two linemen. They yep. really, and, and you, you, you put that with Andy Weidel and uh, what he wants. And the fact that uh, Tom was uh, weeping for uh, Marquise Pouncey, never having won a championship. You know, I, I can see them drafting a center in the first round. I can see that Oregon kid going to number 20. Absolutely. And, you know, another JPJ, which is going to drive all of us crazy because we used to, we could call Jerry, Joey Porter, JPJ. Now this Oregon center is a JPJ too. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I think those are the two things. I, I really think this, this is just all pointing to an offensive lineman being absolutely first and getting a real stud in the middle. Absolutely. And, and that, uh, well, Hey, I, I'm not cutting Mason Cole yet. Because I saw the struggles Pouncey went through as a rookie the week leading up to his first game. And everybody's saying, wow, this is tough for a rookie to do. The opening game at center centers a lot of mental work. So they can keep Mason Cole for that first game and for how six games, whatever, before making the transition. 
you could. I have a little bit. I, of I'm, al- I'm already. I'm already in week six, changing centers. Man, <laughs> oh, I get it. You know, and I, I think you're on on something, but I don't think that they should necessarily start a center week one when you're trying to evaluate Kenny Pickett, and this is a big year for him. So, but I do think they need to upgrade it, and I think what you could do too in free agency, and I don't want to start throwing names out there. I have one. We'll get to that some other time. But like, you get a guy that maybe is a little bit better that comes in for a year and he's on a prove it deal. And then at that point, let's say you draft the kid from Oregon. He's 6'3", 320. And Andy Weidel has drafted centers in college who end up playing guard all throughout the interior offensive line and are smart players for the Philadelphia Eagles. So now if you get somebody who's a significant upgrade at center and he's a free agent and Daniels is a free agent next year, pick one and plug the rookie in possibly next year, but you fortify that interior of your line. And I think if they go line of scrimmage with Kenny, I mean, this this thing could, could turn For out. Kenny really and Najee. Yeah. You know, like I've said to you before, Matt, Najee needs 12 players playing perfectly around him. Right, which big backs do. If you think about like David Montgomery, and I put that in the piece, where he was averaging 3.8 and then 4.0, and last year for the Lions he averaged 4.6, and then they couldn't stop him, uh, for the 49ers in that game. And he had 15 carries for 93 yards, a high of 15 yards, because every chunk was about four, five, six, seven. Consistency, getting downhill, that's so important. And with now, if you give Najee a center and those three guys can, you run that inside zone and you're caving that in, now he's getting downhill consistently. And he needs that. If you think about Bettis, too. When he came over from the Rams, he wasn't doing too good with yards per carry. He gets behind, you know, Dawson, and then he gets behind Hardings, and then he's getting downhill, and now he looks like a beast again. And so those, I think that's the direction I'm hoping they're going, like you said. And I think center, we need to be reviewing or looking at those three or four centers that are in the draft. Yeah, yeah. Well, from offensive coordinator to center, I think we and to week <laughs> six of the 2024 season, I think we covered quite a bit, bit here, episode 95. And as we uh, come to the close of the episode, uh, Matt, Jim, anything you want to wrap up your final thoughts here on the hire? Jim, go ahead, buddy. I, you know, I've always liked the tight ends as uh, tight end coaches as offensive coordinators ever since Wizenhunt and Malarkey. I like Malarkey too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they and, and it was explained to me back then by experts who I would get to comment on why is Wizen Hunt doing so well when he was a nobody, a tight ends coach. And they said, hey, tight ends coach have to have to learn the passing game and the running game and yeah. marry it together. Right. So that, that makes a perfect coordinator. Right. Right. I, I like that. And, um, you know, I watched Atlanta two years ago when the Steelers played them. And I watched some Atlanta tape leading up to it. And I thought their running game was really impressive. I think you it was that earlier, Matt. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers, the Steelers beat them. And the offense didn't erupt uh, for Atlanta. But I thought their running game was dangerous with Cordero Patterson as right. running back slash wide receiver. Did some very interesting things. It was a very unique running game. And I thought of Mike Malarkey when he called his offense exotic smash mouth. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe Ritter couldn't get under center. I don't know. And they were in the third round pick. What are, what do people think? Every quarterback's not going to win. Yeah. Right. You got Ritter and Tyler Henneke there. It's 
<laughs> yeah. You know, and they still won seven games. So yeah. Yeah. Right. E- exotic. What, what did you, what did you call it? Exotic, exotic smash. smash mouth. That's what Mike Malarkey called it. And you know, uh, um, um, Smith was in Tennessee working under Wisenhunt and then Malarkey. So he he got both of those guys. It, it, it all comes back around. And some of these stories, it just comes comes around full circle. And mm-hmm. I like it. Hey, we're the only three in Pittsburgh that like it. Yeah, You know that. People are going to hate this podcast. That's all right, though. That's all right. When, when Jeremy came on, I said, Jeremy, I hope you're against this pick because we need some balance in our in our discussion. And you're like, no, I kind of like it. I kind of so like it. I like it. Yeah. I'll just say this to the fan base because I've been paying attention to it. And I think as people that watch football, pay attention to when teams get under center and start to notice that teams are more successful there and they're more consistent there i'm not saying the shotgun game on first and second down isn't successful but it is herky-jerky and it is inconsistent and so when you start to see that every time i'm watching these games and they back out of it i feel like it's like boxing where you got a guy on the ropes and you're winning and all of a sudden you just step back and let them off the ropes Mm -hmm. because until they can stop it why are these teams backing out and you know troy aikman quote of the week last week when i'm watching a game and he goes you know emmett smith is the all-time leading rusher because he ran against eight man fronts and like it's just we're getting away from good sound football did that confuse you jeremy <laughs> no 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 that's good oh, yeah. and, and it, yeah. it's to your point everything you know, it, it the pendulum may swing in one direction to some type of innovation or new twist on an offense, but it always comes back. You always revert to the mean. And I'm excited yeah. about exotic Smash Mouth in 2024. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I, I think that's it. I you think it's excited by the word exotic. I know. So, it always reminded me of like <laughs> some type of dancing that I don't know if that's appropriate to talk about. Yes. Yeah. But that's going to do it for uh, episode 95. Uh, you can check out Matt and Jim's work uh, at the Still City Insider. Give Jim a follow at Jim Wexel on X. I know Matt is anti-social media, so I'm not even going <laughs> to plug that. But uh, we'll see you back here next week for episode 96. And Jim and Matt, I hope you guys have a great week. You too. Good to you too, Jeremy. All right. Take see care, you, guys. See ya.